Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Judgment Call Podcast. As always, this is Miles Wilson. I hope you're having a great day, night, afternoon, whatever it is for you when you're listening. Uh, but today we do have some Eastern Conference semifinal matchup breakdowns for you and predictions. I will. I, I think predictions are lazy. I don't like doing predictions, but I will give them for you because I they're fun. I do them anyway. I'll talk to my friends about them, so why not? Uh, this is where the East finally gets interesting, in my opinion. Because all the first round matchups were pretty much chalk. Milwaukee took care of business in five. Uh, every other team took care of business in four, unless I'm mistaken. Raptors beat the Nets in four. Yeah, every other team took care of business in four. But this go around, we have the one C Bucks versus the five C Miami Heat, and the two C Raptors versus the three C Celtics. Now, this is two series that should be uber competitive and intense. Let's get to the breakdown. We have the one C Bucks versus the five C Miami Heat. This is my opinion. All my opinion, but the Milwaukee Bucks are on upset alert here, and it has nothing to do with Giannis. I think Giannis is uh win, lose, or draw. I think he's going to get his. So the outcome of this series, I don't believe, has anything to do with Giannis, and it's just because this is not a favorable matchup for Milwaukee. The Bucks, yes, are the number one defense in the league, but it's because they force their opponent to shoot a lot of threes. They're going to barricade the paint and say, hey, you're not getting any easy buckets. We're going to force you to shoot threes. We're going to go contest on those threes. This previous series, 45% of the Magic shots were three-pointers. That's what the Bucks want. The season average for the Bucks is they're having their opponent shoot 41% of their shots are threes. And it works out majority of the time because the league average three-point percentage is 35%. And that's exactly what the Magic shot. They could not capitalize on all the open threes they were getting, which makes sense. They doesn't. They don't have an incredible amount of shooters, so it's no no surprise that the Bucks did what they did to the Magic. But this this Miami team is not that. This Miami team is shooting about forty two percent over their last few games, and they will shoot Milwaukee off the court if they let it happen. Uh, this team has no signs of slowing down. They are hot. And also, on the other end of the ball, Miami has the exact same game plan to guard Giannis that the Raptors did last year. You saw that in their March 2nd matchup earlier this year. Miami is proven that they can guard Giannis. They have the right way to guard Giannis. It's similar to how the Pistons guarded Mike in the 1990 Eastern Conference Finals. They've got, they've got their own set of Giannis rules, if you will. Rule number one, transition. Transition defense, someone pick up Giannis, and we will get two other people to help you. Uh, it doesn't matter who picks him up either. The, they had, the Raptors had Fred Van Vliet picking up Giannis at the three-point line, and they'd put Serge Ibaka on his right to block off the baseline, and they'd put, they, they were putting Danny Green on his left sometimes to block off the middle. The goal is limit Giannis's momentum and restrict his movement. Giannis is a guy that uses his momentum and his size in his favor and he will just walk around you if you let him he did it a couple times early on against the Raptors that's why you applaud Nick Nurse for coming up with us this idea because it's ingenious absolutely ingenious you have to force Giannis to make quick decisions get the ball out of his hands in transition rule number two hug the lane if Giannis happens to get by his defender you better have three to four guys there ready and let one or two of them be big men and they can do it Miami has the personnel for this to work out perfectly fine. If the wall in half court works, or really if the wall in transition works, and they have to set up their half court offense, whenever the ball is in Giannis's hands, 
you want your defense to shrink and hug the lane just in case he gets past his defender. Ingenious. You have to force Giannis to make quick decisions, or if he does get past his man, bang him up on the way there. Marcus Hull didn't care if he fouled Giannis. He was going to foul him hard, make him shoot those free throws. Giannis isn't a good free throw shooter. This is a great idea. And even then, when those shots around the rim stopped falling for Giannis because he was getting fouled or he wasn't getting into a groove, he missed a lot of dunks in the series versus the Raptors, he was settling for jumpers. And that's exactly what you want from Giannis. The, the Raptors loved when either Kawhi or Serge Ibaka would body Giannis up and he would settle for a step back mid-range. That's exactly what you want. That's not an efficient shot for Giannis. And then that leads us to rule number three. What does Giannis want to do when the shot isn't falling, when he can't get to the rim? He's going to the post. So what do you do? You double him with the big man. You can send Bam over there or Kelly Olenek if you want to. You just want a guy that can clean up around the rim because more than likely they'll either have Jimmy Butler, Iggy, or Jay Crowder on him. They're going to have one of their lankier wings on them. So if he's trying to spin off of them, whether that's baseline or going towards the middle, you want him to run right into the chest of Bam Adebayo because Giannis doesn't make the quickest decisions out the post. He's not LeBron James. He does not have that kind of vision. He's not going to whip a pass from the right block all the way to the left corner. He's just, that's, he's not that kind of guy. He doesn't have that kind of vision. So when you're doubling him, it forces him to make mistakes and he's going to turn the ball over or he's going to shoot a bad shot or he's just going to try and force something up and try and get a foul call. And that is exactly what you want. If he's trying to pass out of the post and you have guys like Jimmy Butler playing the passing lanes or even Goran Dragic or Kendrick Nunn just in the lane, just make sure they are in the right place to make a play. It is going to be hard for this Milwaukee team to get going. And they proved this. They did a great job of this during their March 2nd matchup. And that's why they took the season series. They won the season series 2-1. And... Is it impossible for Milwaukee to beat this defense? No. The only reason this defense even works is because Milwaukee is only a team that shoots about 35% from three. They're they're average. They're an average shooting team. They shoot well enough to complement how good Giannis is. They don't need to shoot 40% when Giannis is going to give you 30 points. They don't. They just need to make enough. But enough isn't enough against this Miami team. They have to do better they have to be shooting 37 38 39 40 percent from three if they want to beat this team because that's what Milwaukee that's what Miami's going to do Miami's going to shoot 40 percent and they'll let you have those two pointers from Giannis if that's what you want to live and die by if you want to live and die by Giannis at the free throw line I'm pretty sure Miami will say go ahead we will let this 60 percent free throw shooter take all the free throws that he wants and they're going to lose the game that's what's going to happen all the games versus Toronto in the Eastern Conference Finals that they lost, they shot sub 35%. And I think in three of the four, they shot under 32%. It was bad. It was awful. And then they also got shot out the game. Fred Van Vliet was lighting them up. Kawhi Leonard lighting them up. Marcus Hall lighting them up. They Even though they were closing out on shots, they were knocking them down. That is what Miami is going to do. Uh, even the one game that they lost to the Magic, it was because they shot sub 32% from three. If their shots aren't falling, they're going to lose. And even in the two games that they lost to Miami, they shot under the season average from three. They shot 20% one game and they shot 31% the other. That is not going to cut it. That's why I keep saying Giannis cannot 
win Milwaukee this series. It is not because he can't shoot or any of that. It is because he's going to get so much attention from this Miami defense that it's no choice. They have no choice but to get big games from their other guys. Guys like Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez have to step up. Guys off the bench like Kyle Korver, Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton, they have to come in and provide those high-quality buckets or it's going to be dark for Milwaukee. They have to make their shots. I think Giannis is going to get his. I don't think Giannis is going to have a bad series. I think Giannis can go into the series and average a double-double, 28-12, some around that mark. But if he's getting doubled and triple team and then the shots aren't falling from his teammates, that's when it, it's it's bad. It's going to be really bad. They're not going to win. And honestly, right now, the saving grace for this Milwaukee team is that over their last three games, they are shooting 41%. Even though Eric Bledsoe shooting 23%, might I add, for the second year in the playoffs or in a row, all ski mask first team. He absolutely robbed Milwaukee for that $70 million. And it's like, again, even guys like Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton is a sub 40% shooter right now. He shot under 40% from three in this past series. And that's not going to cut it. Chris Middleton is a 40% three-point shooter. Shooting under that isn't going to cut it, especially when in years past in the playoffs, he shot 50% from deep. 38%, which is what he's shooting right now, and he shot last season in the Raptors series, it's it's not going to cut it. Uh, but thankfully, guys, that they signed this past offseason, Wes Matthews, Marvin Williams, Kyle Korver, and even a guy that's been on the team, Pat Connaughton, they're all shooting over 40% from three on a good amount of volume. So that's their saving grace. These guys have to come off the bench, and they have to knock down their shots. If they're going to come into the game and they're going to go, one for four, 0 for five. Eric Bledsoe, you know he's going to go 0 for two, 0 for five. It's, it's going to be tough for them to recover from that and rely on Giannis to bring him in because if we're being honest, Miami is on fire. They're very well coached, and they have an excellent game plan, very good on both sides of the ball. They have two options, the Milwaukee Bucks do. Either they're going to make their open threes or they're going to lose. That's it. There's no in-between. And because of this, I am taking Miami in six games. Their conditions of winning are just, it's easier. It's right in sight. All they have to do is continue to play the basketball that they've been playing all season, that they've been playing in the bubble. They don't need to rely on any bench guys or starters to have better games than they usually do. They don't need to have a coaching performance that is out of the blue, Eric. Spolster is a very good coach. He's always coached this Miami team very well. And they also don't have a star that they need to run their offense through, even though they do have Bam and they do have Jimmy Butler. The offense does not run through them. The offense in Miami is very team-friendly. They move the ball extremely well, and that's not something that I guess is highly touted in Milwaukee because the Raptors also moved the ball extremely well. Everybody touches it. Even when they had Kawhi, Kawhi was the driving force of that offense, but it was, hey, if you're open and you're going to shoot, just knock down your shots. That's what Milwaukee needs to be on. That is already what Miami is on. And if they're going to be able to shoot 40 open threes a game or even 40 contested threes a game, I think they're going to make at least 40% of their threes. And Milwaukee has to return the favor or it is going to be a very, very sad goodbye for the reigning MVP, 
probably the 2020 MVP and the 2020 Defensive Player of the Year. Not a good look if they can't hold their own versus Miami. But, however, I think it'll be a very competitive game. But give me Miami in six. The road to victory is just not as hazy as it is for Milwaukee. Next series, we have got the Boston Celtics versus the Toronto Raptors. And I am going to confidently bet the under on every single game in this series. Uh, Both of these defenses have been absolutely fantastic in the bubble, and I expect that to continue. Uh, Both teams are very well coached. They hustle super hard. They don't allow easy buckets. They close out on jumpers, and they protect the rim extremely well. They're leading the league in blocks. So this this is just a really hard, tough matchup. They don't allow easy buckets. No gimmies. It's... Is, but I do think whichever team comes out of this matchup, they will be better because of it in, in the Eastern Conference Finals. They will be a much tougher out than they would be if they were facing somebody else. Now, it's going to be an uphill uphill battle for Boston. Uh, losing Hayward is, is really tough. It really hurts. This is a team that already is not very deep, and they rely on their starters to play the bulk of the minutes. Uh, I'm not sure how well... Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart, Kimball Walker playing 40 minutes a game. It's going to be, they were already playing like 35 a game, but now it's going to be ramped up and they will be playing around probably 40 minutes each. And the only rotations they really have are for the bigs. Daniel Tice was probably going to play like 16, 20 minutes and they'll probably get semi eligible in there every now and then. But this is not a very deep team. This team is like maybe eight, possibly nine guys deep. So it's going to be tough on them. Not really sure how that's going to work, especially when they're going up a team up against a Raptors team that's the exact opposite. Uh, this team is legit ten to thirteen guys deep. It it's not an understatement to say that they can do the Kentucky platoon swap if they wanted to. That's how deep they are. One six seven lanky guard checks out, or lanky forward checks out, and another one checks in. It's just there's there's no running from it. you can't you can't run from the grind against this team. You're going to have to get your buckets really grimy and you're going to have to get them how they come because this team is always going to have fresh legs in and nick nurse also fantastic coach almost won coach of the year again i don't even know if they've announced coach of the year yet but if he if they haven't he's going to be top three in voting nick nurse is a fantastic coach and he always brings a fantastic game plan so i'm not surprised that everybody buys in and they play really hard for him uh, but for Boston, they took the season series, but it was in large part because of the minutes that Hayward gave the team. The one game that they lost was the one game that Hayward had a really bad game. He had 13 points on 13 shots, and they lost by like seven. All the other games they won, Hayward played 30 or so minutes, but he only had 10 points, but he did it on good efficiency. And on the other end, he's not a bad defender. So this is just such a crushing blow. If this were a healthy seas team, I think that I would be taking them in seven games. And I think this would be one of the best series that we'd get all playoffs because of how good defensively these teams are. And Brown and Tatum have been fantastic. Pascal Siakam has finally gotten past those early games where he wasn't playing too well. And this team is playing like the Raptors team from last year. And it would have been hard for me to go a different direction than Boston in seven because of how well the team was playing when they were healthy. But with Gordon Hayward out, Brad Stevens will have a lot on his plate and will have to get real creative with the lineups that he comes out there with to beat this team. And my verdict on this series is 
let whoever has the better game plan win. And currently, I'm going to give the edge to Toronto because they have the better defense, they have the better shooters, and most importantly, they have the better health. Uh, This Toronto team, I think the only injury that they have is Kyle Lowry is day-to-day, and day-to-day in the NBA means you're going to be playing more than likely. If it's it's bad enough, they'll tell you straight up. There's no, uh, yeah, he tweaked the hamstring. We're going to try and get him out there. Now, if you tweak a hamstring and your hamstring is toast, you'll be like, yeah, he's probably going to miss a game. But Lowry's day-to-day, he'll probably be there game one. And it's it's hard for me to go any other way than the Raptors at this moment. But I am absolutely not counting out Boston. If Tatum and Brown and Smart have no problem playing 40 minutes a game and they don't get tired facing all those fresh legs all game, anything can happen. This could go Boston's way easily. But in my opinion, the most likely outcome for this series is the Toronto Raptors in seven as they advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's all I've got for you when the series between the Thunder and the Rockets are over. And same applies for the the Utah-Denver series. I will have the exact same podcast out for the Western Conference matchups. But for now, I have nothing more for you. Thank you for lending me your time. I really do appreciate it. Uh, As always, this has been Miles Wilson for the Judge McCall podcast. And until next time. I'm out.